Welcome to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate fan podcast. I am your host, Ed Moore. If you want to send me any feedback, you can tweet me at Teal Productions. That's T-E-A-L, like the color, on Twitter. Teal Productions and the Lords of Order have pages on Facebook. The Dr. Fate fan podcast at gmail.com is the email address. BigTimeNoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website. Just another fanboy. .freeforums.net is the forums. You can leave any number of any size messages at any of those locations. The Flash, the 1959 volume, is what we're looking at. Uh, Issues 236 and 237. The stories are entitled Nowhere on the Face of the Earth for 236 and the 1,000-Year Separation in 237. Now, issue 237 has much smaller appearances uh, by Dr. Fate, but it is a continuation. Well, it's an immediate continuation. Come to find out when I read 236, this is a story that's been going on since like 233, I think. But um, not trying to leave uh, the story in the lurch for those of you that, that haven't read these books, so I'll finish up 237, which is a uh, the finish up of the storyline that we start getting into with 236. Now, for us, uh, both books are scripted by Carrie Bates, penciled by Irv Novak. 236 is inked by Tex Blisdale, and 237 by Mike Laughlin. 237 is colored by Carl Gafford and lettered by Ben Oda. 236 had no such indicators that I could find. 236, the cover was done for us by Mike Grell, and 237 by Ernie Chan. Uh, 236 was cover dated September 75 and on sale June 19, 75. 237, cover dated November 75 and on sale October 21, 1975. So for the cover of issue 236, we have across the top, it says the flash with the line of Superstars DC logo in the middle, and then to the right of that, guest starring Golden Age, Flash, and Dr. Fate, which we now both know that both of those are Earth 2, and this is the Flash, the Adventures of Earth 1 Flash. The cover itself is an image of a Flash running into, running towards us into a room. He has entered a door that is in the background, running towards us. To the right, presumably whom he is running to, is his wife Iris. To the left is a large, greenish, yellowish hand busting through the wall of the room with some really funky nails uh, to it, kind of uh, monstery. And there is a rug on the floor that is all disheveled, both from Iris standing on it and the flash running onto it. It's all nice and crumpled, as you would expect one to be. Now, we open the uh, book with a Twinkies ad starring Shazam, but we're not going to get into that. The first text, uh, first um, inside art page has an image of the flash with two hands coming through the wall towards him, speaking to Iris. Iris, what's gotten into you? You're my wife. Why are you pretending you don't know me? And Iris is saying, bug off, Flash. How many times do I have to tell you? My name's not Iris, and I'm not married to you or anyone else. The narrator tells us, look out behind you, Flash. You've covered thousands of miles all over the globe in search of your missing wife, and now that you've found her, you're about to become the victim of a bizarre menace from nowhere on the face of the earth. Our story opens on a, as a calm breeze wafts across Silver Lake, where residents of nearby Central City are enjoying a summer afternoon. Several panels here of frolicking uh, water peoples, young lady being pulled 
uh, water skiing by a boat. A young couple aboard a rowboat where she is telling the young man that he handles the rowboat rather well. Farther out, a couple kids playing uh, some sort of a ball game here. But sudden shock chokes the last words of three fun lovers, and it's, it's a panel that repeats those last words by each of the previous three panels. And we see camera backs up, and we have a huge tidal wave making its way across the lake towards each of those individuals, the water skier, the rowboat in the middle, and then on the left side are the two individuals playing in the water. People on shore notice that the huge tidal wave is coming towards them, so they're running away from the, the edge of the water as well. An imminent tragic disaster bound to claim scores of lives suddenly springing out of nowhere. Who or what is responsible is the narrator. Turns out the Flash is running across the lake, and he's so preoccupied, he didn't realize that he created the tidal wave. So now he notices... And he circles back around and he rescues the water skier. He rescues the two in the rowboat and grabs up the two kids that were in the water and runs them to shore. Then he runs back out to the shoreline, the edge of the lake, and by weaving back and forth sets up a wall of super speed that settles the water back down. And in the next panel, uh, we're told in three seconds flat, the onwashing tons of fluid are air braked backward by back and forth vibrations. So now the lake becomes nice and smooth and calm just as it was before. Uh, everyone wondering what was going on and then one person suggests it was came up and went away in a flash. Next panel uh, we have, which I'm, I'm really starting to become a fan of in, in the Flash books, the narration box that is kind of loose and flowy with it's attached to a finger, and the finger is pointing somewhere that we are supposed to notice. By this time, the Flash of Red is bolting across the countryside, so he's moved on. Flash, at this point, is very preoccupied. He didn't realize that he was even running across a lake, uh, didn't think about what the effects of that would be, because he's concerned about the fact that he cannot find his wife at this point. Iris has disappeared he has searched the city for the past several issues and has found nothing, uh, no leavings of her, no one that can give him any indication as to where she is or anything. No idea. So he is kind of uh, pushed up against a wall here as, as far as his feelings uh, as, as a husband. So he keeps it con continues looking around. Uh, we switch to Earth 2 where we find the Golden Age Flash, another really cool narration box, and like our own Flash, and it's pointing at him, he's rescuing a commuter train that has fallen off an L uh, and is about to crash, but before it crashes to the road surface below, he has enough time to rush inside and clear out all the passengers of the car. They're all standing behind him, behind him cheering and, and yelling for Jay Garrett here, and as they're watching, uh, everything that just happened starts to mystically, shall we say, reverse itself. Uh, the train car uncrashes, it lifts back up um, onto the EL, the EL repairs itself, everything returns back to the way it was just prior to the crash, and we see the arrival of Dr. Fate, who has mystically whammied everything back to the way it was. Uh, the two had prearranged to meet each other. Uh, Flash tells Dr. Fate to continue on, I'll be there momentarily, while he, the Flash, gathers up all the passengers now and runs them back up into their commuter train so they can continue their journey to work, or wherever they were going. We then cut to a suburb of Keystone City, uh, where we see the Flash is with Jay's uh, wife, Joan, and we find out that here is Iris, 
Barry's wife. Not sure what that's about. Um, Sea Doctor's fate casts a spell across the gulf between Earths that will start to reunite Flash with his lost love. So, uh, Dr. Fate and Jay Garrick and Jay's wife, Doris. Is that what I said? Uh, Joan. Doris? I don't know where Doris came from. Joan. Uh, are aware that Iris, Barry's wife, is on Earth 2 and not on Earth 1. And they're aware that Barry is looking for him. So, not sure what, what all that is about. Flash is running around still looking for his wife. Uh, we cut to his house where they have a border. Stacy Conwell. And Iris's dad, uh, they're both there watching on TV as a new tunnel is about to be christened and opened just as Barry arrives. As the camera is panning across the crowd that, you know, is assembled at this momentous occasion, the camera flashes on Iris. So the young boarder and Iris's dad, um, Stacy, they think that they saw Iris, but they're not sure. Barry, however, is sure that he saw her and takes off. So he zooms out, you know, halfway across the country, wherever this tunnel opening is, scoops Iris up and runs off away from everybody with her, sets her down. Well, come to find out, she denies being Iris. She's kind of piqued at the fla at the fact that the Flash would feel that it's okay to just scoop her up and run off with her. Barry maintains that you're Iris. I I'm sorry, I don't care what you say, but you're Iris. You're just messing with me or whatever. Maybe you forgot or... Something. Well, in the midst of this conversation, the crowd uh, that is gathered for the tunnel opening runs away screaming and draws Barry's attention. And he glances back over behind him and he sees that there's this huge disembodied hand that is coming out of the tunnel and looked like it was going to snatch up people. But they all ran out. Flash runs up and as he's running up, the, the hand forms a big flat pancake-like thing and tries to swat him, but he vibrates himself down into the ground, escaping the hand. Popping up over to the side somewhere, he decides he'll run around the tunnel to the back side of the tunnel and see uh, what, what he can investigate there. Because, you know, the thinking if the hand is out of the tunnel on this side, then whatever the hand is connected to must be out of the tunnel on the other side. Well, he runs around, and as he runs into the tunnel, another hand is kind of hiding <laughs> up above the tunnel. And so as Barry runs into it, it follows him in, so that now Barry is in the tunnel with a hand coming from the right and a giant hand coming from the left. Well, when they get near Barry and near each other, they emit this greenish ray uh, from, from both hands that uh, congregate on Barry. He starts uh, getting weak, um, losing power, losing energy, and his last uh, last blast of awareness, he decides that he will start running through the tunnel in a spiral, like the rifling in a uh, rifle. And he starts running in this, this spiral across the tunnel towards one, one end, whichever, to get out. And it allows him to gain enough speed and enough momentum to escape the hand as it clutches at him passing by. Some distance outside of the tunnel, he stops and turns around to to reattack, reassess, and the hands are gone. So now he goes to where he left Iris, sees that she's not there yet again, starts searching around, and comes to the conclusion that she must have hopped a ride in a some vehicle on a nearby highway. So he goes zooming down the highway, checking all the vehicles back and forth until he finds the uh, Volkswagen van here that she's in, and he just opens the door as he's swishing around and grabs her and runs off with her. 
runs to his lab there at police headquarters, quickly does a fingerprint, a voice print, and an earlobe photograph uh, to check the identity, and all of them come back positive that she is indeed Iris. As they're talking, though, a disembodied hand once again attacks. So he scoops her up and runs out, you know, out of the city quickly into the other hand that is seemingly waiting for him. Using his super speed, he does some dirt tornado-y burial maneuver of the hand and then speeds off to catch Iris because when he was first stopped by this new disembodied hand, he tossed her in the air so that she would be safe, assuming that he would be able to get back to her in time and catch her, which, uh, being the superhero and being that this is Iris, he was able to, but seems like it was a big chance. I mean, well, anyways. So now he's running with her, trying to get away, runs up a telephone pole and out the power wires as the hand grabs that telephone pole and pulls it out of the ground, slacking the wires, which in my mind would make it pretty difficult for Barry to run, such that he would probably fall. But nope, he continues on, and we see that they are being watched in a scrying sphere. Turns out to be from Earth 2, as uh, Jay Garrick, the Flash of Earth 2, and Dr. Fate are watching Barry. Uh, Seemingly, they must have something to do with the hands, I guess. Our primary objective was to keep Barry occupied. Um, Yeah, so they, they have something to do with this faux iris, and something to do, oddly enough, with the hands as well. Then they turn to the real Iris, and she is laying unconscious here under some kind of beam, and Flash is saying, you mean she must stay away from her husband forever. So something about her causes problems whenever she's in the vicinity of her husband. And uh, Dr. Fate tells us precisely, should the pestilence, okay, now this is interesting because this changes next issue. Should the pestilence she is carrying in her body ever come near the unique superspeed aura that surrounds her husband, the resulting cataclysm cannot be imagined, let alone predicted. Should the pestilence... Now, pestilence puts me in mind of a disease or a sickness or, you know, something like that. Uh, Flash goes on, poor Iris, where can she go? Surely not back to Earth. Dr. Fate says it is a problem, but, and he refocuses on the scrying sphere to see what Flash is doing on Earth-1 with this faux Iris. So Flash and she go back and forth a little bit, and we see now um, it seems that Dr. Fate has taken off his, his magic, because as Barry and this Iris come to rest from having run along the power lines to get away from the hands, it, it's not Iris. It doesn't look like her. Barry realizes it, and she can't remember anything that just happened for the past, you know, little while since Dr. Fate put the whammy on her. So, uh, interestingly enough, Dr. Fate just picked somebody and used them and then took away, you know, yeah, I don't know that I really dig that too, too much. Um, I realize, you know, this is 1975, things were different, yeah, yada, yada. But even in 1975, I don't know that I would have felt that that was overly cool to just use somebody like that. So uh, nowadays, I'm sure that that would not go over very well. So, Dr. Fate and Flash are uh, conferencing here. Now that I've removed the spell which made that girl a double virus, Allen, you can turn off the realistic menace you provided to keep Flash busy. And Flash is like, what? I didn't do anything. And Dr. Fate realizes, oh man, casting a magical spell across the dimensional void between Earths has spawned an undesirable side effect. Those lethal mystic hands. So, 
the hands <laughs> aren't under anybody's control. So, so because uh, Dr. Fate was messing with things between Earths, something went haywire and created these hands, which are now trying to capture Barry. We cut back to Earth-1. Barry is once again fighting these hands, and he comes up with an idea that... Let's see. He's timing something here. He says, the hands are slower. My timing has to be perfect. And what he does is he runs in between the hands so that the two hands will clap together in an effort to try to squish him, catch him in between. But he's so fast that they miss, and the resulting force of the two hands clapping together as hard as they did causes them to dissipate and they go away. We cut back to Earth 2. Yes, Iris Allen, Dr. Fate is saying, I will magically transport you 1,000 years into the future of your Earth. My parents live there, Dr. Fate. They're all I have left. Dr. Fate says, maybe the advanced science of 2975 can find a cure that will enable you to rejoin Barry. And Earth 2 Flash. I hope so, Iris, for both our sakes. Now, apparently, and if I were a Flash fan, I would know this, a thousand years in the future is a uh, an important place for the Flash. Actually, it is the home for one of the Flash's biggest foes. So now we go back to Earth 1, where Barry is assembling his cosmic treadmill, because he's going to go to 2975, knowing that that's where her parents are, in hopes that that is where Iris has gone, and that's why she can't be found head nor hair uh, here on his Earth 1. So he jumps on his cosmic treadmill and starts zhuzhing things up here. Um, let's see. I think I have missed some ads here, too, while I was so excited about talking. So let's go back. We have a Johnson Smith Company ad for all the different things. The Hercules wristband, learn how to be a kung fu fighter, martial arts practice patches, police handcuffs. And then we have, let's see, another ad here is for the universal bodybuilding documents. That way you can learn to be big and instantly have big muscles. After that is a full-page ad of, well, not ad, but the the my favorite, the page of individual little ads for muscles. The, the biggest thing I like about this stuff is to see what these places are saying about comic books and back issues in particular. Um, Mid-70s, I don't know if they're starting to become a thing, but they certainly are starting to show up more and more often as ads in comic books. Um, here is somebody selling baseball cards to pay $1,000 for one baseball card. Better be a Honus Wagner, right, for $1,000 in 1975. All right, moving on, we have the 100-piece toy soldier set here. We have another ad for the Horror House pr Product Company of Lynbrook, New York. The floating ghost, silent dog whistles, smoke cloud, mini camera, things like that. You guys that are of an age remember those ads. Look Who's Smiling Now by the LaSalle Extension University correspondence institution and you can buy um, or not buy but you can get booklets that tell about their different degrees that they offer electrical technician diesel mechanics things like that next page is a half page ad for subscriptions to dc comics and then the bottom half is for king arthur and the knights of the round table book a four-part series i don't know if i remember seeing that from joe orlando and jerry conway Nesta Redonda. Did that, did that make it out or did the implosion kill that? Hmm. All right. Moving on here, guys. We have another ad for the uh, two different play sets of the ocean airplane play sets from Helen of Toy Company here. Full page ad so that you can get the new Man Bat title. 
but also watch for All-Star Comics and Blackhawk with Codename Assassin from Jerry Conway. Uh, the Man Bat book apparently was written by Conway, drawn by Steve Ditko and Al Milgram. Steve Ditko on Man Bat. Moving through the ads to catch up. Okay, we're here where I left off to the letters page. Let me look through here and see if I can see who the letters are from. And nothing jumps out as far as anybody who included a letter in that book. Moving past the letters page, we have a full page ad for a 132-piece Roman soldier playset for only two twenty-five from the Roman War Soldiers of Westbury, New York. Everything is in New York at this time. That's interesting. Next page is the Olympic Sales Club, where you can sell cards, uh, both holiday and non-holiday cards. And then based on how much you sell, you can turn in uh, like tokens for prizes, and you can get free prizes here from the company. A Daisy um, BB gun is on the back panel of the back page of the comic, and that finishes up this issue 236. So Barry jumping on the cosmic treadmill to go to 2975 to find Iris is how 236 ends. 237 also has a solo Green Lantern story as the last uh, roughly third of the book. So this culmination of this storyline with Barry is only about two-thirds of the book. Roughly, uh, it's, a, it's about a 33, 35-page book. So, what is that, 24 and 12, roughly? Inside front cover, on the cover, uh, well, yeah, let's see. Yeah, I told you who wrote this and everything. Yeah, so the front cover has the little solo starring Green Lantern indicator up there at the top. I guess this was in between books. He didn't have an ongoing book, so they put him in the flash. Um, interesting, not action or adventure at this time, but in a solo heroes book rather than although i guess action and adventure have both become superman titles by this time so it's not a anthology per se it's a superman vessel vehicle we have flash and reverse flash uh both of them holding iris grabbing her trying to pull them pull, pull her from the other and in the background we have a large structure a large building being destroyed by lightning bolts here cracks in the ground it just just looks like everything is being destroyed while the two flashes are trying to get at, uh, iris and we're told the thousand year separation inside front cover is a heroes in action ad where you can buy uh, these military figures that move and, and make noises and things like that. We open the story with much the same splash page as was on the cover. The two flashes only, instead of really having the tug of war with Iris, they're kind of both running with her, um, trying to get away from whatever's going on in the background, which again is the destruction of looks like the planet they're on, let's say. It was a war of wills, the narrator tells us, between the fastest man alive and his nefarious counterpart, the reverse flash. The enemy action had begun weeks ago, stacking all conceivable odds in the villain's favor. And the prize was a beautiful woman who has been mercilessly cut off from her super speed speeding husband by the 1,000 year separation. So we open the story seeing that Barry is on the cosmic treadmill heading for 2975 and he's being watched by Earth 2 Flash and Dr. Fate, who Dr. Fate puts the whammy on the cosmic treadmill so that it is no longer running. But by the time he does that, Barry has gotten enough of the correct vibrational pattern going that he can move sideways off of the cosmic treadmill and continue running and appear in 2975. 
Well, just before we he does, we see that Iris has been there long enough to have found her mom and dad, and the three of them are driving down the road. Barry runs right by the car, through the car, um, however you want to look at it, not necessarily realizing who it is, but then after... You know, it, it after like his brain catches up with what his eyeballs saw, he realizes that that was Iris and her parents. But before that, he sees that all of this uh, destruction is going on with this big building in the background. Let's see if he tells us what this building is. Uh, well, actually, this building is Central City itself. So the future age Central City is all housed in a giant structure that is being uh beset upon by these huge tendrils of energy, nimbuses, uh, whatever you want to call them, bolts. Uh, it looks like lightning just coming from nowhere, hitting the city, and it's about to destroy the city until uh, Barry does some some digging, whirling dervish kind of secures the foundation so that it doesn't uh, crack and fall. He finds some cement and applies the cement to the foundation and uh, d- does a bunch of Mm, kind of fluff stuff considering what was going to happen. But ultimately, I guess, according to the writer, Carrie Bates saves the city. He runs back to the car that he passed and in the meantime runs across the reverse flash. So there is the big menace that I alluded to earlier that is a resident of 2975, the reverse flash. Uh, What is it? Professor Zoom, I think is his pseudonym. So it turns out that he is going to marry Iris because uh, because I don't know why. But something about when she and Barry are in proximity, they cause this destruction-y kind of thing, like was just happening to Central City. That is because Barry Allen and Iris are too close together now. So because I guess she can't be with Flash anymore, Zoom is going to marry her. Not quite sure how that works, but... Uh, Iris is is okay with that because she can't be with Barry, so it's okay to marry Zoom, his arch enemy. Yeah, it kind of didn't really make any sense to me either, but that's okay. It's a Silver Age book. They don't always make sense. Well, no comics necessarily always make sense. But Zoom snatches Iris up and is going to run to wherever he has, uh, you know, the priest and the paperwork and everything like that set up to make it official. Um, as he's running, though, she disappears because he gets waylaid by Our Flash, uh, who snatches her up and sets Iris aside, comes back to Zoom, and he and Zoom start having a, a super speed battle, as they're wont to do. Uh, we have a break for some commercials here. We have the letters page inserted here, a Shazam Twinkies ad, and then an ad for a host of comics. First, the Superman family of comics, which includes Superman, World's Finest, Superman Family, the Justice League of America, Action Comics, and Superboy, starring the Legion of Superheroes at this time, 1975. Uh, the bottom half of the page is the Batman family of comics. Batman, World's Finest, Brave and the Bold, Batman Family, Justice League of America, and Detective Comics. So the only one, well, they have, what, two in common, World's Finest and Justice League of America. Next up, we have a Super Friends ad and a Dick Tracy ad for the comic books. A sensational first, a spectacular Super Friends issue. This looks like the first issue of Super Friends and probably the first issue of the Dick Tracy book that they're advertising here. You can get both of these collector's editions for a buck fifty, which includes postage and handling, or $3 for both. Send it to National Periodicals Publication, Inc., 
Radio City Station, New York. Our final ad, I believe here, nope, in the sequence we have a couple. The CBS Saturday cartoon listings that include Pebbles and Bam Bam, Scooby-Doo, but most importantly, the Shazam and Isis Hour. I remember that one. Don't remember too much of these others. Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. I certainly remember Scooby-Doo. He's, he's one of my favorites. And a full-page ad for Famous First Editions uh, that DC is selling here. First Edition is reprint of some Famous First Appearance books, which they have continued doing that to now, but they don't call it Famous First Editions. They call it something else. But it's those real hard-to-find uh, keys, I guess is what the uh, slabbers call them nowadays, are keys. So the Flash and Reverse Flash are fighting. Flash defeats him, throws the Reverse Flash into a cactus for holding, since the cactus has, like, you know, the arm-looking appendages on it. Zoom is there waiting for, having been defeated, waiting for uh, Barry to finish what he's doing and come back to get him. So he f- realized in dealing with Zoom now that the Reverse Flash was the one that was causing the problem between Iris and Flash. He was moving in such a manner that he was setting up a an energy frequency in Iris that didn't hurt her, but when it interacted with the frequencies that the Flash gives off, it was causing these horrendous energy discharges and things like that to where they could not be in proximity. Flash realized that, deduced a counter frequency that he could move at that would counter the frequencies that Zoom had set up within Iris's body to the point of after having done that a couple times and then from the future moving forward a couple more times, you know, like treatment, that her normal body's vibrations would return to normal, which would be the same as his and would allow them to be in proximity again. So he he gives her the anti-whammy there a little bit. Uh, they smoochy smoochy and he goes back to get Zoom who is supposed to be at the cactus here waiting for him since he was defeated and the bad guy always just hangs around for the good guy right to the end of the story but he's not there he uh, woke up revived whatever and took off so Flash and Iris go back to 1975 Earth 1 1975 Flash and Dr. Fate of Earth 2 see that everything is okay hunky dory and we end the book with Iris cooking and serving to Flash his favorite veal scallopini dinner that he has been waiting two weeks for. So uh, whatever Reverse Flash started uh, messing with in uh, four, about four issues, five issues ago is two weeks Flash time. That's how long it's been. And that's where this story ends. Full page uh, series of ads, those those mini ads that they filled a page with, and then the onset of the Green Lantern one-off story is there. So uh, there are aspects of the of uh, I've always been kind of a borderline. I need to read the Flash kind of fan. Um, this has got me a little closer towards the side of the border of actually doing it. I have so many other projects though on my plate. I just don't know. I, I really would like to read the Flash, especially his Silver Age stuff. That pointy finger attached to the narration box just kills me. I, I love to see that. These, particularly the Flash of the Silver Age stuff I've read, they seem so light and funny, even though, you know, he was searching for his absolutely missing wife. But the gimmick as to why she was missing and everything like that is just, it, it's not the the dire down kind of stuff that you read nowadays. It just seems of a lighter bent. Um 
the art I, I really enjoyed the art from Irv Novik. Uh, Carrie Bates's writing was was okay. Um, I, I'm starting to suspect maybe those issues of the Flash that I have read are predominantly written by Carrie Bates. So I don't know the Flash so much as maybe it's Carrie Bates's writing is what I enjoy about these books. I'll have to delve into that a little bit and see. Nothing else really about uh, Dr. Fate. This is just kind of a, a hanging outy appearance after the JLA-JSA crossovers, which will still be going forward in the future a little bit. However, before we get to another one of those, we do have Dr. Fate's appearance in first issue special number nine from 1975 to look at. So that will be what I pull out for next issue, uh, next episode rather. Talk to you guys then. Ciao.